0: No Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. On day 13 of the 2020 French Open, I am Ben Rothenberg, joined by Tumani Kariol, our <laughs> NCR Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent. Hi, Tumani. Hello how are you I'm wonderful and NCR's Middle East correspondent the, the meeting of the correspondents here it's very exciting Reem Aboulel Reem thank you for being here as well
1: I'm happy that Tumani is sub-saharan Africa because I am Middle East and North Africa I did not want him to encroach on my <laughs> region <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I made it. I made it clear that I was up to Aaron. That was,
1: that was I, my choice. <laughs> I am very. I am very pleased about this clarification because I am not just the Middle East correspondent. I am the Middle East and North Africa. There
0: you go. You two have divided <laughs> wow. up the continent, and we have two finals here. We have the women's final, which is tomorrow. Iga Swiatek against Sofia Kennan. and then the men's final. Slightly more familiar names to folks: Novak Djokovic versus Rafael Nadal. Let's start with the men, actually, because the men's final was what got set up today through the semifinal wins. Novak Djokovic won the first two sets, had a match point at 5-4 in the third to have a straight sets win after just two hours and nine minutes. Then he lost that point, then he lost the set, then he lost the next set, but then he won the fifth set pretty easily, 6-1 over Stefano Tsitsipas, joining Rafael Nadal in the final, Nadal beating Diego Schwartzman in pretty routine, if not speedy, straight sets. So what did you think of today's matches and how did they influence how you feel about the final Tumani?
2: With Djokovic, it was obviously after the Corinna buster match. It was waiting to see how he was in terms of in physically. He came out with without his neck mm-hmm. taped, and he. I thought he was for the first two and a half sets. He was really good. You know, he was so clinical. He until a match point, he converted ten out of ten break points.
0: He'd save um, ten out of ten. Yeah, well, save yeah, ten out of ten sure. break
2: points. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, I think. Him, you know, it's actually with both Nadal and Djokovic, the fact that they both struggled to close out the third sets was quite strange and funny to see. But I was, I was impressed by the fact that Djokovic didn't ever lose his call and he was so composed and that was really surprising to me. And he, he noted like afterwards that he was pleased with the fact that he didn't lose it because he was always in control. So And even when he when the match started to turn... You know, he was constantly in the service games. He was returning well. And so, although he was pushed to five sets, uh, I think the main thing was that he got there. Last year, he didn't get there. So yeah, that's, you know, he's there now, the, so. The
0: one, the one question I was going to ask Novak and I didn't have time in his press conference because I guess, you know, he, he gives long answers so it's not time for many questions in a Djokovic press conference generally. My question was going to be, how do, you, how do you find the balance between being calm and being composed and being flat? Right, because that was my concern, as he's letting this match seemingly slip away, at least on the scoreboard. That he didn't, he wasn't getting fired up. He didn't seem to be getting angry in a way that you know sometimes he plays well, angry Djokovic. So I, that was my concern, and, I, and he yeah. did obviously win the fifth set very convincingly. It's said he had an injury issue too, but yeah.
2: Did, did you see the um the quote that Sasha Osmo, um he tweeted like a couple of days ago? Like the Serbian media asked him after the Karolina Busta match, like if you improve when you get angry, why don't you shout earlier? And he was like, oh, sometimes yes, it works, but sometimes I'm better calm. So I actually wonder if like something like that, like maybe made him want to be more composed. Like, I don't know, questions like that. Like, why aren't you more angry?
0: Do you think questions made him want to be less angry, or do you think getting defaulted from the U.S. Open what made him want to be less angry?
2: <laughs> well, well, he's made it clear that that despite being defaulted from the U.S. Open, he's
0: it may happen.
2: Yeah. So I don't think that's it. But I don't know. It was just a very like deliberate calm, and I mean, it worked
0: out in the end, and he he didn't get defaulted, so everything's good. Reem, what do you what did you think about today's matches and how they set up the final?
1: I think I'm a little bit surprised. That the Rafa one was straight sets and the Novak one was the five sets. That's not that's not yeah. what I expected. Uh, I think I was particularly impressed by Rafa, even though there were these lengthy games and even Schwartzmann made fun of it, saying, like, it's usually 25 minutes, one all against Rafa. That was kind of the yeah. case today. I was particularly impressed by Rafa. In terms of the Novak match and, and staying composed and stuff. I'm wondering if he was maybe trying to conserve yeah. energy, knowing that maybe he'd have the upper hand in the fifth anyway. I'm may, That's my only guess, because I had the same thoughts. Like, I was wondering the same thing. I think what he said in French on court, my French is not perfect, but I think he said in French on court that I looked like I was composed, but that's not necessarily how I felt inside. I think he said that in French. Yeah.
0: No, the, the energy con- conversation idea was I was gonna actually I was gonna to try to think I was thinking of how to incorporate that in my question to Novak also just because like were you trying to stay calm, you know, because I, I was sort of seeing when he came out of the blocks firing, being up six three, six two on Tsitsipas I was seeing it as sending a message to Nadal, being like this is his chance to make a statement saying like I'm ready to take you on, buddy. You know, and, and and then once that slipped, he really didn't show any sort of panic. And I got to say, as much as, like, on the scoreboard, things were, like, falling apart and it was, like, you know, Mean Girls get people running around in the hallways looking chaotic, this match never seemed, especially once this once he got up in a pretty early break in the fifth, It I never really thought Spots was actually going to win this match. Djokovic still seemed, like, he he got such an early lead 3-0 in the first. He, yes, I think the only actual lead spots had was when he held to open the fifth set at, at, for 1-0. Uh, and then from then on, it was all Djokovic. I don't know. I, I think that maybe there was some some swag in in the calm, and just sort of him being unbothered was a was a statement thing to do and a tactical thing to do, and it obviously wound up working. So it's hard to whatever you want to categorize it. It's hard to argue with the results.
1: It could be because yeah, he knows who he's playing next, and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to seem like he's out of control and freaking out when he knows that he's going to play Rafa next. So maybe he he was thinking about that too. Who
0: do you, who have you been more impressed by over the course of this tournament? Uh, Reem, let's start with you. Djokovic or Nadal?
1: I think Rafa simply because the conditions were really not in favor of him Mm -hmm. at all. And that's, that's been the conversation coming in and he kept talking about the balls and the surface and the cold and all that. And the fact that despite all that, he just, breeze through his matches so I would
0: probably say Rafa Tamani how about you?
2: Um I'd say in, in terms of like pure level probably Djokovic just like the, the height he's hit at, at times like particularly in, in this match where where he was saving all of those break points and just you know anytime like there was any danger he just clicked on and played amazing tennis you know as Reem said like all the stuff before the tournament particularly the fact that Rafa, Rafa didn't have kind of the, the this is his second tournament back and so the fact that he's he's getting up to speed you know you'd expect it since I mean his record at Roland Garros is, is so kind of otherworldly but still it's impressive just to see him kind of you know just just finding a level just going through the rounds and kind of easing into the into final in in a way
0: yeah, it's a record at Roland Garros now, 99 and two, going for the round number 100. Big... Very, would be very poetic if he gets this round number 100 as he ties Federer's mark uh, for 20 Grand Slams. Lots of lots of sort of goat stakes things happening in this. Uh, goat stakes sound like some sort of you know butcher shop option, but goat stakes here in this <laughs> in this final. I gotta say, like as much as I have at times, obviously been a sufferer of Big Three fatigue after the kind of off-brand U.S. Open final we got, I'm very happy to be back in safe hands in terms of these Grand Slam final performers, getting Djokovic, getting Nadal. Uh, Djokovic going for his 18th Grand Slam title, Nadal going for his 20th. If Djokovic wins, the podium will be as close as possible with them still being on three different tiers. It'll be Federer, 20, Nadal, 19, Djokovic, 18. Uh, And then if Nadal wins, it'll be 20 for him, 20 for Federer, and then 17 for Djokovic. So... Big stakes. What what is your Tamani, Let's start with you. What, what is your sort of take on on who's going to win this match on Sunday, and how do you begin to, to break it down? Your eyes widened at that at that query. <laughs>
2: Man, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I think you know. In in terms of like the the general matchup, you know, Djokovic has, you know, with, with his back end and what he can do, you know, tactically. You know, attacking the Nadal forehand, and with the conditions as they are, they clearly s- suit Djokovic, and uh, both Carlos Moyá and Ivanisevic, in different ways, have have said that kind of have, have made that clear. Like everyone knows that this this these aren't the kind of conditions that fully support Rafa. So, I mean, in that sense, I think he has an edge. I think that in terms of him having more matches since coming back, and again that in that sense he also has the edge um by its Rafa on clay at roland garros so and he's 1992 as you yeah. said and you have all of these things that go for him and i mean i, I feel like in, in, in my sense like in the past i've there have been times where i've leaned like, leaned for novak to, to win you know in terms of like thinking he would win you know when he'd beaten rafa in rome or madrid and then you come to roland garros and it's completely different and it's enormous and, you know, it takes so much. So
0: that's why my mind remains at a, I don't know. You don't know. Okay, Reem, do you have a more decisive answer than Tommy did?
1: (laughs) I might sound a bit more decisive, but I kind of agree with him. And I I would say that Novak has, especially in the last two matches, maybe he's gotten out of the system... All of those, any blips that he wanted to have, he got them in in, in the mm-hmm. last two matches, right? And, and I kind of feel, in a way, that serves him well because he's just going to step on court against Rafa and have an amazing start. I feel. Yeah, that, that's my 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 feeling. I don't. I mean, if it's going to be rainy or something, of course, close the roof, and maybe it's Novak who's going to have an advantage, or whether the roof is open and it's just damp or whatever. I see so many advantages in Novak kind of uh, column. So I kind of agree with Tamani. And I still understand, yes, Rafa's 99-2 and two and everything. But if you look at the matchup, and not just the matchup, but like these two have met many times before, I think like seven times before mm-hmm. in Paris. But I think this is a time when this is almost peak Novak, right? He hasn't lost a completed match this year. He's on a streak coming in. He's just won Rome. So this is peak Novak. And I, I mean, I'm assuming that the neck thing isn't a thing, but I don't feel that the neck was a thing today, so I'm just ignoring the neck. And with Rafa, he, he's not necessarily he's done amazing, but he he's not he hasn't been tested. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's going to be a problem.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, he hasn't really been tested, so yeah, I, I think Novak will win.
2: In, in in a sense, that kind of reminds me of the match, a completely different stand but the Australian Open, you know, when when they both came in in amazing form, but you know, that was kind of the fact that Nadal hadn't been tested was kind of exposed in the final. But yeah, I think it's definitely kind of beneficial for Djokovic that he has had that friction that he had to come back from a set against Pablo Carreño, that when he, when things did start going against him today, that he figured out how to get things back on track and, so in that sense, that, that definitely is a tick in his box as well. That is
0: a little bit my thinking. Um, we'll get to the women's final in a bit. For, that's my thought with Iga Svantec too, because she has faced zero adversity in this tournament. What happens in this final if and when she does? That's the big question I have about the women's final. But on the men, I actually, as much as I understand your guys' both sides looking at, I actually feel like pretty dang good about Novak in this final. Like, I think that Novak has won 14 of the last 18 matches against Rafa. That's a big amount. He won their last meeting at the French Open in 2015. That's big. He hasn't lost a match this year. Also big. And their last Grand Slam final was an all-time dragging. I mean, like, that, honestly, <laughs> that 2019 Australian Open final was one of the most striking results, most emphatic results in Big 3 history. And, yeah, and I just see that Novak, through all this sort of conservation of energy type things, I think he's really been trying to peak at this final. And I'm not saying that N- Rafa won't, but I just think that the last time we saw them both, and maybe Nadal no, N- R- wasn't at his best, quote unquote, in that 2019 final. I know he had not had some long injury layout before that as typical for him. And I guess he's also had come to this tournament fairly undercooked as well. But I don't know. I just really think that part of the reason... That this is going to be the toughest final opponent that Nadal will have ever had at the French Open. I think that's, like, fair to say, probably. And with, with because, with no disrespect, I guess, to, like, I don't know, 2013? When was their long, rainy final? Was that
1: 2013?
0: 2012? Yes, 9-7 in the
2: 5th, right? no, no, that was the semi
1: final ah, yeah, That was, which year it was. Okay, that was the semi. Um, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying
0: to remember which year it was. That was the point. But I'm trying to remember which year it was. They played, There's one time they had a, had a Monday finish, the two of them, and I can't remember which year that was. It got rained out and it was depressing. It it's like 2012, I think. Maybe 2013. Anyway. I think it's 2012. Yeah, 2012, yeah. I think that Djokovic is, 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 is his ceiling is higher right now. That's just kind of how I feel about, uh, yeah. about them in this stage of their careers. And I think he's gonna. they're both going to be maxing it out and bringing it. I think the best on best right now, I think Djokovic wins. Oh, for sure. I think, yeah. I, I I fully yeah I agree with that. I'm just, Wow, did I do to convince you? You're now like totally buying. No, no, no. Being so but, unsure but before. No, no. What is, no but,
1: dude, we both of us said we think Novak's going to win. What I know,
0: that? but but, <laughs> but Tumani was so at was the start was so like on the fence, and now he's like, I totally buy this.
2: No, but I, I but I like, but yeah, we as I said, like I think everything points to like as you said, everything points to Novak, and I also mentioned the 2019 final in in, in yeah, that sense, but it's just. It's just those those stats are in my mind. They're like emblazoned in my mind. The the ninety nine two. I don't know, but but I definitely think that things point towards Djokovic. But I mean,
1: I I don't take too much stock in the Oz one just because he's next level in Oz like Oz for him is what, Harris is to, sure. Rafa yeah. So that but I I definitely believe that Pete Novak would beat Pete Rafa. So. And I don't even think that Rafa's at his peak, even though he's been doing really well. And he was good against Diego. The only thing I, the one thing I, I'm surprised that with Novak is that was like he only converted eight out of twenty-two break points against Stefanos, and that's insane. I feel like eight out of twenty-two yeah. is that. it was largely like a fourth set <laughs> drought.
0: He went like zero for ten in the fourth set. That that was yeah. That,
2: that was just the, one of the weirdest kind of matches I've seen, just in terms of like. You you never see the big points like shift so much from as we said before like Djokovic saving all of those break points to suddenly Sisyphus saving he'd won like four of the
0: last five or something it was a strange match it was a strange match it could be a strange final it'll be the last big match of the year it does feel weird having a French Open final be the kind of like finale for Grand Slam level tennis it's, it's just a, it's a, a different note to to go out on and and even more so segue to the women's final. This will be the last big women's match, even more so, because the only tournament left on the calendar as of now, and probably unlikely to change at this point, is Ostrava, which is a premier tournament that got moved. Uh, the sanction, the ho- the owners of the sanction in Zhengzhou, are staging it in Ostrava, Czech Republic, this year. But that leaves basically this French Open final as the last hurrah for the women, and the two women who are hurrahing at the end are two women, uh, probably not one of them, definitely not expected to make the final of this tournament. Iga Swiatek. You know, people who are sort of tennis hipsters have known about her for a while. Courtney Hampshire probably puts herself in that category. Uh, she's high on the on the Shvantec train for sure. Uh, playing against Sophia Kennan, who really emerged at the Australian Open where she broke through and won the title in her first sort of real second week run at a Grand Slam, closing it out there. So, what what is your what is your preliminary read uh, ream on this final on this matchup between Sviantec and Kennan and what what you're expecting and what you think will be decisive in this match?
1: I think that what Kenan did against Petra was insane. Like I, I felt that she kind of put herself in the perfect, uh, the sweet spot for mm. her mentally. She was there, which is like, I have something to prove. I'm angry at myself. The emotions are like in inside me, but I'm not bursting yet. And, if, and she was just like fighting like crazy and being super clinical when she needed to. If she's like that against Ega. I don't know how Iga can beat her, even though Iga has barely lost any games yeah. at all. <laughs> she's winning like 70% of her return games and she's doing amazing. But I just feel that Kenan has had a tough route to the final. She played like four of her six matches with three setters. But then against Petra, she just stepped up and she was like, you know what? I've been here before. I know what to do. I'm not letting go. And I feel that she, from a mental perspective, as much as Iga has shown that she's become this calm person and she spoke so much about her psychology and her work with her psychologist, and I think you interviewed mm-hmm. her psychologist the other day, right? So I, I just think that Kenan has experience on her side and and she's just in the right headspace. So I would give a slight edge to Canon.
0: So I guess basically the question, I think, as it comes down to this match, right, is will the Sviantec train slow down? Because she has been absolutely bulldozing her opponents i mean she hasn't lost more than five games in any match she's only lost as many as four games in one set that was against Su way in the second round like do you think how much do you think this is going to come down to money to sviantech controlling her own destiny and it's up to her whether or not she cools off and how much do you think that it's going to be about Kenan being able to sort of pour water on this on this fire or she could cool off on her own I mean, we saw it even today in the doubles uh, that Svantec was not playing as dominantly as she had uh, the rest of the week and was sort of struggling a bit. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? How much do you think that Kennan has a say in, in Svantec's performance tomorrow?
2: I, I mean, I, I think she has a big say. Like, I mean, we, we saw at the Australian Open what, what she, I mean, we always come back to it. That game when she was 2 all in the third against Muguruza and she came back from you know, triple break went down. Five winners, and you know, sh- you know the thing about Kennan is that a she, unlike Hallet which we were talking about before, she is a player who will try to disrupt you, who will change her strokes, who who are check like, who are player with variety, and you know, who keeps opponents guessing. And she's also a player who, when the her backs to the wall, she hits out of it. Even though she's a defense type player, you know, and and she's. A great athlete and all of that stuff. You know, when it comes to it, as we saw against Petra as well, against Petra, you know, when it came down to it, she was she was not waiting for Petra's errors. You know, she was making Petra move and exposing her So, so I, I definitely think that Kennen will try to disrupt and has a fair chance of doing so. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just a big question mark because Sviatek is so she has no experience. She's played one fi- final in her career. You know, it's not like. Mm you know there's so much we we don't know about how she handles even medium sized moments let alone a, a french open final but i do think that her level is you know she has so much to her game and her level has been so high so i absolutely think she could it's conceivable that she could just bulldoze as well but it's going to be very tough.
0: I have seen, because I haven't seen a ton of Svantec, obviously, because her career has been pretty short at this level and not really inside the top 50 much, not as much as she was someone who people had flagged. She wasn't per se a super relevant contender player on tour before this tournament. I haven't seen her in a, enough big moments. Like I can sort of look and be like, OK, well, you won a bunch of Junior Slam titles or you won a Junior Slam title at Wimbledon. So and another one at doubles at the French Open, so maybe you're a good big match player just from that sort of pedigree but I'm just kind of guessing at this point, you know, because like I yeah. said, in the men's part, she's faced so little adversity that if she does like go to a third set, I will have utterly no idea what she's going to do. Like, I just, yeah. I just don't know if she's going to be at her best and steely and reel it off six, one or six, two, like every other set she's played here, or if she's going to just, you know, have a, a sort of collapse and the, in the house of cards will sort of fall apart because it is all built so quickly. Um, Reem, what do you, what do you think? How, how do you think that, the unknowns will play for is there any way to know or we just have to wait and see for for how is going to handle the occasion of this all
1: I think one thing we can if we I think what we have is her run here right mm-hmm. and kind of what, what she did against Halep that was kind of one of those things where okay like she lost to her last year she's going to come out like doing everything differently and whatever so that was good but then backing that up was impressive I would say but also her, she played in the semis against someone who has even less experience than her. So that, that doesn't also tell us a lot. The only thing that maybe we can guess is that usually the, the younger players, and in this situation, she's younger than Kenan, I guess, and less experienced. So she maybe is not overthinking. You know how the, the, young, the young kids, they step on court, they don't overthink, they're fearless, all of the cliches around that. So maybe she will have that going for her. But I'm with you in the fact that like, just the data set we have on her is very limited.
2: Yeah. And, and, and Go ahead, Imani. Sorry, just, I was just going to say, conversely on the flip side, as, as impressive as um, Kennan has been, she, we haven't seen her in, in the other role where she's kind of the experienced player, right? She's she playing against Pet, a two-time stand champion, Petra, or Muguruza, or even Barty. You know, it's it's different now that she's kind of the slam champion and the one that, you know, the one with the experience. Yeah, so. I'm
0: not sure. Because I, she did have to make it through five rounds here at this tournament with a target on her back. I mean, being, you know, a number four sure. seed and yeah. playing Collins going into a third set. I'm not really sure what happened in the third set of that Collins match. It was 6-0. Oh, she she. I know. Yeah, yeah, well, that's true. But I'm just saying in terms of that was like such a clear, I'm not sure how much was Collins and how much was, was Kennon there. I think it was mostly mm-hmm. Kennan. But, yeah, I think that's also true. The other thing I'll say about Svantek's sort of mental composure, I, you know, it is, as much as it is easy, it is also not easy having to play qualifiers in the quarterfinals and semifinals of a Grand Slam. Like, when you are, after having no pedigree at this level of women's tennis, being made the huge favorite in these things, you in these rounds you've never been to before, and that she handled them with such unperturbed aplomb, is really mm-hmm. really impressive, and that and that's the sort of that's a, a different, very different kind of test than the sort of you know prize fight mentality that you'll need in a Grand Slam final. But avoiding those traps and and sticking to your game and not letting that that sort of favorite status overwhelm you the way it probably did Svitolina, uh, who was also in this half right. of the draw and lost to Podoroska in straights in the quarters. I think that speaks well of, of Sviantek, and I, and I like I, you mentioned the psychologist Daria Abramovich who was on the show yesterday. Like she does have somebody, she is, I think she'll be put in a good headspace for this. I really do believe that. And then she will always be conscious of headspace will be important. Right. I think even just her acknowledgement of the importance of that part of the game, which is completely different than Kenan. Kenan, I asked a sort of similar question and Kenan was like, I would rather have a physiotherapist and a psychologist. if I have to choose like another person for my team or something like that was her answer. So I think that her Diligence about these sorts of things, Shvanteck will will pay off, or at least put her in as good a position as she can be. And maybe she'll just get outplayed by a better player who's ranked, you know, fifty spots ahead of her in the rankings. That's entirely a plausible outcome. Or maybe she'll continue to roll and will have finished, you know, dropping only twenty-seven games or something in this tournament on route to winning the title. <laughs> so uh, either way, it's a very I, I I like these finals as a pair because they offer such different things. One is you know this complete. Unknowns how they handle the stage and the other is this sort of like all timers old standards thing. I like the, I like again, I like this sort of complementary nature of what men's women's tennis in this at the slam. Reem, any any further thoughts on what to expect in these two matches as we sort of wrap up this show?
1: Mm, not really. I think I said everything I wanted to say. Okay. I yeah
2: that's good. I'm curious curious. Good to I'm curious for both for both of you what 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 do you actually make of Kenny what what do you think? I mean, she's in her second Slam final of the year. Yeah. What does what do you think the future holds for her beyond this
0: year? I think that as a sort of, I'll go first. I guess I think it's sort of a counter puncher, or, or she's somebody who has to find the right gear, right, where where she's not being too aggressive and not too passive. And I think that can be a sort of tough sweet spot for people to, to live in. We've certainly seen that with like a Sloane Stevens, you know, who's had who had who had a stretch of her career where she got that formula down. And every other time it's kind of drifted into being too passive. Usually she errs in that direction. Uh, so Kenan is in a good place there now. And I was really impressed with that against Petra. Like you mentioned that match, like she really did find a way to not just defend, but to put her own kind of pressure and her own kind of aggressiveness and her own kind of positive tennis in the match. Um I mean, she do- but at the same time she doesn't have like particularly big weapons per se. Right. So like she just has to win by playing like tactically perfect tennis. And and mentally perfect tennis and like compet competing really well, and yeah. that can work. But I feel like it also is something where she can, if she runs into you know the best at their best, she might not control her destiny all the time. And I do put Sviantek in that category. If Shvantec, I do think that Sviantek is going to have more say in this match uh, on Saturday, and Cannon will could be made a spectator if things go badly for her, just the way the other six opponents of, of Sviantek were. So. Raim, how about you? What do you, what do you think of Kennan?
1: I think as long as Kennan feels that she has something to prove, or is being a little underappreciated compared to the generation of American players that she's part of, or the ones younger, or older, whatever, all of these things together have created a competitive beast, right? Like, and and I feel that that's how where she she gets her motivation. I think also the she she's actually this tournament. I feel like she keeps adding so much variety, even more variety to her game. Maybe that's help uh, doubles is helping. I mean, she was in the quarterfinals on doubles as well. She plays a lot of doubles, and I feel like the kind of uh, what she was doing to Petra with all the different drop shots. I mean, she was hitting drop shots the whole tournament anyway, like most of the players. But like she, she is adding a lot to her game. So I, I definitely see Kenan making deep runs and more slams. Like, I, I see it happening. It's just because she's super competitive. I agree with Ben in the sense of a, a big part of her edge is that competitiveness. And probably it's something that you don't always have. It's not something always easy to draw upon. But every time, honestly, this tournament, I underestimated her. First week, when she was winning all those matches, like, she, she would lose a set. And I would be like, oh, Cannon's not... I, I, I didn't expect her to be in the final. So I feel that's, that again, that is her sweet spot. Like, forget about me and look what I'm going to do. So, yeah, if you're asking, what do I see her doing in future slams? I see her making more finals. I see her making deep runs. I see her winning more.
0: It's interesting that sort of underappreciated angle that you touched on there, because I do think I was really struck in the semifinal against Kvitova by seeing, I'm not sure if she was wearing it earlier, but but seeing Kenan wearing the Guino patch, which means that, like, it's something that, that usually underdogs wear when they haven't, don't have many sponsors and they have open spot on their clothes and they want to get like a sort of short-term deal uh, to get some extra cash. And Kennan's wearing it as a number four seed at a Grand Slam who won a Grand Slam earlier this year and comes from a big Grand Slam nation in the US. Um, and yet, and this is a whole different, we don't to get too deep down this hole because I think we should wrap up this show relatively soon. But like the fact that she's resonated so much less as a story than Coco Golf, I find fascinating because like, canon it, it for some reason she's not quite connecting with audiences i think it's fair to say a second grand slam will, will solidify her as like an unignorable presence. she'll be i think undeniable player of the year if she went to second get two out of three grand slams this year um you know hall of fame candidacy will start crapping up for this player who was you know <laughs> still like no one really talks about will have stealthily done this incredible uh double and so yeah, yeah I, I just think that i think we're all still sleeping on her on some level myself included
2: I mean, guess who just passed her in Twitter followers like yesterday? Who? Iga Sriante. <laughs> oh, yeah. There
0: so, you go. Yeah. Well, but yeah, that,
2: just 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 uh, a final say. I agree with Reem. I think she's very underrated and just in terms of I think her development needs to be to continue to add more variety to her game, to come to the net more, to just, you know, to improve in, in that sense and to be... Be sure that she can continue to disrupt players in different ways, and and we'll see. She'll, she'll be here for a while, I think.
0: There we go. Well, you guys have been here for a while. Thank you both for coming back on NCR during this t- tournament. Tamani Carriol representing Sub Saharan Africa and Spain, and Reem Abulel. So, amending your title, Reem, to Middle East and North Africa correspondent, that's fine. If, if Tumani yeah. gets too yeah. sort of Regions, yours are more contiguous too, so that's also. (laughs) Yeah, and actually, that's
1: a very, it's a very common term in my region. The me, we call it the MENA region, M E N A, Middle East North Africa. So I'm MENA the correspondent.
0: There you go. All right. Well, (laughs) on that note, thank you guys for having us covered on Africa and beyond, and thank you guys for listening to the show. If you want to follow along, you're not listening. We're on Twitter at ncr underscore tennis. tumani is at Twitter at Tom Reem is at on Twitter. At Reem Abu Leo. They'll be linked in their bios. And also Reem is also on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Reem Abu as is NCR, where so many of you have supported us, and we appreciate that. If you want to support us on NCR's Patreon, we're at patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. Shout out to our Patreon Slam Champ backers, Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Mary Carillo, Leah Williams, Chuang Nguyen, Betty, Audrey Wellens, Sean Mulroy, Susanna W. Jean Simeon, and Antonio Maycumber, and our four GOAT backers, Mike, J O D, Charles Cena, and Nicole. Copeland, that's it for us here. Enjoy the Grand Slam finals this weekend, and we'll be back to you between between them after the women's with Courtney. Bye guys. Bye.
1: Bye. For Africa.